Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the For Jesus podcast. I'm Joshua Reese, and I have with me today... Luke Simmons. Yeah, there he is. Hi, Reese. <laughs> Luke Simmons, lead pastor of Redemption Gateway, and... Alessi DeBartolo. Yeah, I, we didn't plan that, so that went well. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking you were going to say my name. Yeah. But you just pointed. Yeah. So went, oh, that's my cue. And we're in. So just like that, we broke the ice. We're in. Today, we are going to be talking about a fun subject called prayer. And prayer is one of those weird things, I think, where we all would say we'd like to be better at it. I don't think anybody's like, nope, I'm good. I don't need any more. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that oftentimes gets neglected the most, probably in a Christian's life. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, talking about prayer, I, I'm going to spring this on you guys. Um, how's your prayer life, Alessi? Ooh, me first. Um, um, I find prayer can be easier, uh, than reading my Bible. So reading my Bible, I have to be more intentional about setting time aside. Um, ever since I was a little girl, um, I was encouraged to just talk to Jesus. Um, and so I, um, it's, easier for me to just start talking to Jesus. Um, but I've tried to add in my prayer life of being still and quiet in my prayers of not just talking and filling space, but, um, but being still and listening. Um, but I am a big journaler. So I journal a lot of my prayers. Um, every morning I try to wake up, grab my Bible and journal and, uh, and pray. Um, and as I write, um, and then I really do like to like go back, um, to my old journals, um, and kind of see, okay, what was I praying for? What was the Lord doing in my life a year ago or, um, and, and kind of seeing how he's moved and worked in my life. So that's great. Um, yeah, I that's my, that, that answer seems unusual compared to, I feel like most people I talk to, like I know for me and a lot of people I think would say, it's far easier to read the Bible yeah. than it is to pray. Mm. And so that's interesting and, and cool that even from yeah. a young age that that was kind of your perspective on it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Luke, how about you? Our lead pastor, how's your prayer life? <laughs> I have one. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's grown over the last number of years. Yeah. And um, I think um, a lot related to the stuff we're talking about today and the guests we're going to be talking to today um, has had a, a big impact in just helping me kind of move from prayer being this thing I knew I ought to do to something that I actually wanted to do. Mm. Um, it's funny, even like like when people talk about the idea of a prayer life, that just feels awkward. That mm-hmm. feels like awkward conversation to me. Like um, e- even Molly and I will joke sometimes about when people say, well, how's your marriage? As if a marriage mm-hmm. is this like entity. Sure. And I go like, I don't even know how to think about that because my marriage isn't an entity. It's like Molly and I have a relationship. And so a lot of it, even to some degree, I kind of want to go, well, how's your relationship with Jesus? Because to some degree, a prayer life, Mm -hmm. the whole point of it is to have a relationship with Jesus. It's Mm kind of like, how's your interaction with him going? Yeah. Um, And even just reframing it that way has made it less of like this thing I've got to check off my list to feel like I'm a good Christian or a good pastor and more like a just how easy is it for me to enjoy time with the Lord? And so, um, yeah, but I have, I have times, I think like probably everybody where I feel really close to and connected to Jesus and doesn't feel like there's any barriers at all to kind of, um, feel close to him and as I pray. And then other times when it feels like I don't necessarily want to, or I, he feels far away, but, um, but I think my prayer life right now is there. I did, I did it. The entity, (laughs) I think my relationship with Jesus in prayer is, has been good. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So mine, um, a few years ago, well, yeah, a few years ago, 
it was I wouldn't say non-existent, but almost non-existent. You'd get going through life. <laughs> you and, wouldn't say it, but you would. <laughs> but I would. Um, it, you know, I prayed, and I and I felt like I prayed a lot, but I just realized that I hadn't. It was actually through our one of our guests here today, uh, the ministry that he's involved with, that um, I was invited to a conference, and I went to it. It was a praying life conference, and I was sitting there realizing that I never pray longer than a minute. I never really even know what I prayed yesterday. Um, and I really didn't rely much on the Lord for those things. And I didn't have that sort of dependence on him in that, in that regard. And so, um, if you're there and you're listening, if that's you, uh, take heart and, um, we're going to kind of talk through how we can cultivate that a little bit more and, and how that changed for me and then, and do that. So, yeah. And, and part of our hope, I think today is that it, even as you prepare for 2021, like we're right on the cusp of yeah. whether you're a resolutions person or a goals person <laughs> or a new year, new me kind of person, um, you just might be really thinking about how do I grow my relationship with Jesus? How do I mm. grow in prayer in this next year? And so this episode is really trying to just help you um, pursue that and hopefully give you some encouragement and some tools that will make it easier. Um, where it doesn't feel quite so burdensome and ought to, but it'll feel a bit more freeing and a bit more want to. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for that. Yeah, I mean, 2020 and it's in itself has brought probably a lot more prayer than <laughs> um, yeah. different types of prayer. But anyways, I'll introduce our guest uh, today. We have with us the very special to me. Uh, very dear to me, John Ori. So how are you John, today? welcome John. to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's good hey. to be here. So John, you're with See Jesus Ministries, mm-hmm. correct? And tell us a little bit about that, which, what your role there is. Yeah, I serve as the regional director of the West Coast and East Asia, which sounds super impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it uh, does. Until you realize that there wasn't a ton going on for See Jesus in those two regions when I first joined. Mm. So a uh, big area and uh, the Lord is doing good work, but small but steady so excellent so what do you what does that entail when you regional manager of the east asia i don't know if you didn't hear all the titles so (laughs) (laughs) i I check out after the first word word, you just know i'm regional so uh, yeah he he just wants to be the assistant to the regional yeah that's right i'm wondering how can i get in on this um uh, i basically our ministry designs discipleship tools and trains others to use them. And so me being in this particular, on the West Coast, I'm from the LA area, uh, I get the opportunity to be able to do that not only with churches, but having been in pastoral ministry in the past, I tend to focus more on uh, leaders in the church. And so encouraging, equipping, discipling leaders so that their churches actually might be able to be looking and loving a little bit more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see Jesus, you know, it seems like there's kind of three main areas that you guys tend to focus on as it relates to discipleship categories, which mm-hmm. hopefully will be all three might be somewhat familiar to some folks listening, but one would be related to prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so see Jesus, Paul Miller, who founded the ministry, wrote A Praying Life, which is a great book that I think we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and then it seems like the other one is just focused on seeing the humanity of Jesus. Who was Jesus as a person? How mm-hmm. did he love and then the third seems to be the J curve, mm-hmm. that idea of following Jesus down into death in mm-hmm. hope of resurrection. Mm-hmm. Am I getting those three right? Yep, you you, you nailed it. Great. Uh, and <laughs> Luke was listening. I'm not sure Reese got it, but uh, <laughs> but, but I no, mean, those are my those are my jams. I would recommend all three of those books so, or all the three of those. Studies. Yeah, I mean, we're, well, we're, and there are books related to each there one. There are books, yeah. Right. So a praying life. 
mm-hmm. by Paul Miller. Love Walked Among Us. Love Walked Among Us by Paul Miller. And J-Curve. And, and we went through the J-Curve last year at Redemption. Is that? We did a sermon series a called sermon Love series. Walked Among Us. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that was kind of based off. I mean, there's just, there's literally dozens of mm. Bible studies that you could take you know, go through and that sort of thing. And actually, Reese, you've been taking, you and your team have been taking the students through that. Yeah, students have been going through the person of Jesus, and it's been pretty great to just slowly walk with Jesus and see um, him even beyond uh, the cross and resurrection, but even just his person and who he was and beholding Jesus the way that the Father does. It's been been good. So how did you connect to the ministry, John? Uh, As I mentioned, I was a, a pastor and then a church planter for many years. And I got about two years into my church plant, realizing I had been trained, I had been educated, I had been coached, I had been evaluated. But there was this sense that when you're a church planter at the beginning, you're kind of asking yourself, is this thing going to (laughs) fly? Like, is it going to get off the ground? Mm -hmm. And then two years in, it's kind of like, oh, I I think this church is going to survive. But are we actually going to thrive for the long haul? And there was this gnawing sense inside of me that felt like I, I'm not, I, I don't think it can or will. Mm. And it was another way I realized, looking back on it, that I realized a lot of it was by my own strength, by my own might. And it was about that time that um, uh, Westminster Press, our, our bookstore, had this big launch of a praying life, five bucks if you buy, five bucks each if you buy five copies. So 25 bucks. Didn't know who the author was, but I'm like, man, I need to pray more. And so I bought the book. And I need five copies of it. That's how much I need to pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I need five cheap copies of it. And then as cheap as... You could as probably it, just bought one for like 12 bucks. Well, I okay. <laughs> True. I never thought about that. But <laughs> well done, marketing. <laughs> but the five copies sat on the, my shelf uh, in the office for about five months. And then I felt guilty for spending that 25 bucks mm. with the church's money. Read the book. And I just thought there's something different about this, not just Mm -hmm. the way in terms of praying, but even just uh, in terms of doing life. So I look on the back of the book and there's this guy named Paul Miller and he's got a ministry called See Jesus and we call them and they come and do a training at our church. And then uh, from there, we just kind of grew in relationship and partnership with both Paul as well as the ministry. That's great. That's great. My, my story was a little different. I like, I was, as you're talking about that, I was a little more stubborn. So I did the, I definitely bought the book, felt guilty about not reading it. Did you have five copies? I did not. I didn't get that sale. (laughs) Um, But then um, my personality will sign up for things if I don't know anything about them even still. And my friend had said, hey, you should come to this Praying Life seminar. And I'm like, sure. And I didn't know anything about it. And I, when I got there, they were like, you can buy this book. And I'm like, oh, I have that book. So like, that's just how disconnected (laughs) I was. Went through that thing. That's where we did like, he started it with a five minute prayer Mm -hmm. he's like pray for five minutes and you could hear the room and i was following the room um like silent for the first 30 seconds came to a minute and i was just getting a little antsy started seeing shuffling people shuffling feet coughing some people getting up and by the five minutes it was like please god rescue me from this praying time (laughs) because i can't pray for longer than three minutes uh and then so that was the first time that i had been through it and then I didn't call see Jesus after that, um, but I, <laughs> I actually ended up meeting you at, well, you led one for redemption pastors, which was such a, a blessing to kind of teach how to pray, which is a weird thing to have to do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my kind of introduction into it. Luke, do you have a, how was your, how did you find the praying life? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I think, pro- I mean, whenever Praying Life came out, there was a big marketing push about it in the kind of, you know, Christian world that I'm connected to online. And so I remember that coming out and I remember that seeming like a big deal. And I remember feeling like, yeah, it would be great for me to grow in prayer. And um, then it was like, oh, this is Paul Miller. Oh, who's he? And I did some kind of work and figured out that his dad, um, who um, was called Jack Miller, but um, author is kind of C, the letter C, John Miller. Um, he'd written some books that I had read before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to some degree, as far as I understand it, Jack Miller was kind of a mentor to Tim Keller oh, and wow. to Scotty Smith and to lots of other folks that I respect that have kind of been part of this gospel-centered movement. One of my favorite books, actually, probably my favorite book on leadership is by Jack Miller, and it's called The Heart of a Servant Leader. Mm. And what's so interesting about it is it's just a series of his letters that he wrote to people. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like a leadership step one, step two, step three. It's more like just you see him leading through his letters and through his prayers. And so I went, oh, if this Paul Miller guy's going to do that, I could trust this. I, you know, and so I bought the book and I read it and I remember feeling like, yeah, that's fine. It was okay. And then it was some number of years later that, uh, John, you got connected here with us at Redemption and, and Tyler Johnson, who is the Redemption lead pastor, was connected to Paul. And so you guys were doing stuff mm-hmm. with us. And that's within a few years ago when we went through a prayer cohort and um, really and kind of reread the book. And it felt almost like, I know I've read this before, mm-hmm. but it didn't <laughs> feel like I've read this before because yeah. it just the second time through, it just exploded off the page for me. And, and some of what. I think you even referred to John is that it isn't really just a book about prayer. It's a book about living in relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, a big feature in the book is, um, Paul's, uh, has a daughter with severe disabilities and that's a big kind of through line through the book about how they're trusting Jesus kind of in the midst of those challenges and suffering. And so, um, yeah, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason I was in a different place the second time I read it and it really was a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Not that the book had changed, but I think I was more ready to really receive it. Yeah. Yeah. I had to look up what a cohort was. Cause I'm like, <laughs> that is a weird word. I've never heard it before, but, uh, I think it's just a, a, a word. <laughs> I mean, you may know what it is out there, but I didn't. Uh, so I looked it up and I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm not that educated. Cause it just means a gathering of people to kind of keep each other accountable. So I, you, Luke, you had participated in one. I participated in one. I think we were supposed to be in the same one, but we were too big. Right. So we split. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't get to pray with Luke, but the benefit of that was uh, there was a lot of it. But my favorite part was that we got it was like four or five guys that we did life together a little bit for a, a, a long period of time where we were praying and we'd come gather once a week and pray together mm-hmm. in this online cohort. And and uh, yeah, we were using Zoom before it was yeah. ubiquitous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So getting that done. And it was good to see, it was encouragement to hear people's, you know, how God's like, Alessi, you said you write down in your journal, a lot mm-hmm. of the prayer and praying life encourages you to have cards, praying cards and different mm. things. Um, so you can remember, so you can sweet uh, recount those things. And so, um, yeah, doing that with John was great. So John, I, you were the other great part about that for me, just to be honest. Yeah, um, for sure. Just your insight into prayer. I, I'd love to give you some time well, and, to kind of, and God, lis- God listens to John's prayers. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like it's I like remember, John, would you pray for me for like this? not yeah. wanting yeah. to leave the cohort? Cause it was like, I think he's got a direct line. It's <laughs> different than Aww. most people. Um, but, and that was cool too, was really to see all of our faith build as we saw, not just through John's prayer, but yeah, as we really 
actually saw answers to prayer over that period of time was big. Yeah. And I loved you started out and you're like, there's nothing magical to what we're going to do. So I'd love to maybe, I don't know, give you five minutes or so to do a kind of a plug for that. Not a plug to try to get people to do it, but kind of your spiel that you give a cohort to, you know, start out. Like we're going to enter on this journey of praying. What does that look like? Well, I I, I think... um the cohort is is basically a small group, and the way we've designed it is that it's a it's online and it's one hour a week, um, anywhere between eight weeks in a row or twelve weeks. And um, the way I I like to compare it is try try to imagine that you've gone through a, maybe a day training in Pilates or uh, I guess in this church CrossFit, <laughs> and um, so you, you've gone through a CrossFit. You know, Seth led the way and. <laughs> And then uh, you're like totally motivated. You did a little bit of exercise. And then on Monday, you start trying to do it on your own. And, you know, that lasts a day or two. And then you're just kind of quit. Mm. And so our prayer training is kind of like, hey, you got a day training. You kind of experience a little bit. You kind of practice a little bit. Then you go try to pray on your own. And you're like, it just doesn't happen. Mm. So the cohort kind of operates like that group where you're kind of working out together in prayer you're not only keeping each other accountable, but you're, you're kind of watching each other's stories as they develop, as God develops these stories in prayer. And so the encouraging and the exciting part of it, I, which I may have told you guys when we first started, is like, there's nothing special about the cohort. There's nothing special about me. The joy of the cohort is actually discovering uh, the Father in the midst of the details of your life in and through your prayers. Mm. And that's not something that can be created as much as we are just simply once a week, at least as a group, creating space to be able to see that or ask for that or recognize that or, or glory in that as God so moves. And so it was a pleasure to be able to see because the first group that, uh, that we ever did, that we ever piloted for our ministry was actually with a group of redemption pastors from different congregations. And then you guys were the second round at, right after that. And it was a joy to be able to see each of you guys actually uh, discover what I just described, mm. where it wasn't discovering, oh, John's this great guy, or see Jesus is great ministry, or whatever. But you were discovering the, I, I think the the way I put it is the the twinkling eye of the Father winking mm. at you, mm. that He sees you, and that He's intricately not only involved but actually cares about the details of you and your life. Mm. And so I remember distinctly, as, especially with you, Luke, there were certain things you were praying for that were very personal to you. And it was like a light bulb went on at one point where it, it was a delight. I think it was about maybe, maybe four or five weeks in or three or four weeks into the cohort. And you were almost like, is that really him? Like, like is he really <laughs> answering this or is sure. he really doing this? Yeah. Yeah, I remember I, one of the things I remember from that season was a very specific answer to prayer related to goggles. Yes. Um, yes. My, uh, <laughs> we were headed to swim practice for one of my girls and, uh, I don't even actually remember now if it was Abby or Caitlin and they had forgotten their goggles and we were, we couldn't turn around. We were like right there at the place and it was like, we couldn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I thought, well, you know what? Let's pray that you can find some goggles because we're not going home. So let's just pray that we can find some. And it was kind of one of those, okay, dad, you know, and, um, and, dad. and the first, the first kind of, I think lesson from it is that would not have occurred to me had I mm. not been in the cohort. Mm-hmm. I would have tried to problem solve it some other way. Um, 
but even just the thought of, well, maybe we should pray about this. Um, so that in itself, you know, is an evidence of just the value there. But then, yeah, we prayed and, and, uh, I remember picking uh, them up after and, and saying, so did you find any goggles? And sure enough, there had kind of been this obscure little place where this set of goggles was there and they didn't belong to anybody and they fit perfect. And it was like this moment of just going, wow, God cares about goggles. And so, um, it was this, you know, faith building thing for me and for, for my family. Um, and, but like you said, God cares about the little details and God Mm -hmm. cares about the details. If we hadn't found the goggles too, um, sometimes he says no, (laughs) but, um, even the fact that I can remember that story so well um, mm-hmm. kind of communicates of like just even what begins to happen when you start expecting mm-hmm. God to answer prayer and you expect wow. God to connect with you in prayer is it, it moves from being this uh, kind of duty to something that's vibrant and dynamic and alive. And I think what we start to want our, our relationship with God to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think Luke, you said it that, you know, obviously there are those who are listening or are thinking, well, what if there were no goggles there? Right. <laughs> and I, I think there is a reluctance sometimes to ask what we really want, mm. uh, big or small, because maybe we have, and maybe it didn't happen the way we thought. And so uh, there's, uh, in, in many ways, what we ask is actually representative of our hearts. And so in some senses, when we stop asking, we actually stop we shut down our hearts or stop bringing our hearts mm. uh, before God. And sometimes it is because I brought my heart, I brought my request and it wasn't answered the way I thought or hoped. And so it's a risky thing to pray. Mm. And, um, mm. and so there, there was a, there was a delight. I, we, we were having discussions, I think in that cohort and other cohorts about the longer that you're a Christian, let alone the longer that you're in ministry as a Christian, sometimes there's a cynicism that begins to build Mm -hmm. because it's like, no, I did do that. Or I did try that. And it just didn't happen. Mm. And so we stop, we, we, we start guarding our hearts. We stop asking for the little things and even sometimes for the big things. And so the most basic invitation of the gospel, let alone even just for a prayer life is the invitation to come. Mm. And so in Matthew 11, when he's saying, come, not those who actually have clear, clear-headed minds and pray well and mm. sinless, but come those who are weary and heavy laden. Yeah. So, you know, we, we always joke that if you are, uh, if, if we're supposed to pray like a child, just like Jesus did, then um, when we train people, we show in scripture, you know, children are a big mess. <laughs> they're really selfish mm. and they're utterly helpless in so many ways. Mm. So we tell people. It, and, and they're not shy. They're, they're not they shy. They just tell you no what filter. they think. They tell you what they think. They <laughs> yeah. ask what's on their mind. They don't think about actually whether it's a good time to ask. Mm. And they ask repeatedly. And oh, so yeah. if that's, if we're supposed to be like a child, mm-hmm. uh, what we tell people often is if you are any of those things, then you are in a perfect place to mm-hmm. really begin to pray. Mm. So if you have your life organized, if you've got everything all well manicured, <laughs> then I'm sorry, you are not going to be a great prayer. Mm. But if you are in a place where you just know your life and you internally are just a big mess, mm. uh, then you're in the perfect place to begin to learn to really pray. Wow. And it's hard. Uh, the, the longer you're a Christian, the more we kind of move away from that posture in place. Mm. Cynicism and all these other things begin to fill the, the void. 
So we've talked a little bit about our cohort experience. The point of this conversation is not really to encourage people necessarily to join a cohort. I don't know that see Jesus as a ministry. Actually, I don't think, they are can. those are those available publicly? Yeah, they, I was they just now ask that. They now can sign up. Oh, well. um, so oh. what started piloted as pastors cohorts for twelve weeks online. Um, for a variety of reasons, since you guys were part of cohort, see Jesus developed eight week cohorts for anybody, not just pastors, but anybody. And they mm-hmm. sign up on the website and, hmm. and they're grouped up. Cool. So, so yeah. that's available. We'll I'd also to say too, like if, if anyone listening got a small group together and said, Hey, we'd like to do this, but with each other and mm-hmm. maybe some guidance, a number of our pastors who've been through it. I'm sure I get a lot of requests. I don't get requests to go, hey, would you uh, walk with me and these four other people I've recruited to help us pray better? (laughs) But like I would be all over that in a nanosecond. So um, if people wanted to pursue those cohort routes, it feels like there are options. But but I I think it'd be great to, as we think about the year ahead and people wanting to potentially grow, Mm -hmm. to to kind of think about about how to how to grow in prayer. And so I guess my first area it relates to just motivation. Um, so one reason we might be motivated to pray is we, we want to see God work. We want Mm -hmm. to see answers. Um, but John, when you think about, you know, what motivates you to deepen your life with God in prayer, what are some of the things that, that animate those motivations? Yeah. Well, I, I think sometimes when it comes to prayer, we, we think about prayer in of itself. And so, um, sometimes we, we lose sight that the delight of prayer is not prayer, but it's actually that it actually ushers us and allows us to connect with the father who is delightful. Mm. So it's kind of like asking the question, like how, how do I, let, let me study marriage, <laughs> right? You know, like marriage in of itself is important to study, but mar- the delight of marriage is not marriage. It's yeah. actually my wife. Yeah. And so sometimes we get hung up in our prayer life when we go, I, I'm going to really focus in on prayer. So yes, prayer can be a discipline, and it is to a certain extent. It is a work in a sense. You work at it just like you would at a marriage. But we can't lose sight of what's the delight of prayer. Mm. And so in terms of motivation, I think uh, I I need to continually remind myself that the delight of why and who I'm praying to is is Jesus. And so as I kind of keep that in mind, then it's like, okay, this is, this is a conversation. This is a relationship that I'm actually uh, involving him in because in or in and through the mechanism of prayer. And so sometimes when we get tied up in our prayer lives, it doesn't always work. But when we get tied up in our prayer lives, like, oh, how does it work? And does this, what's going on? Sometimes it gets untangled if we just take whatever we're wrestling with and put it in the category of, a deep friendship or a marriage because in other words, we've taken it out of the relational category. And so we need to put it back in, in, in terms of relational category. So, so my motivation becomes more of a relationship than a discipline that I'm not necessarily so good at. And again, there are places and times where you are working on a relationship, but the delight of the relationship is the person or in this particular case, it's God. Well, and Leslie, when you were sharing earlier, about how from a young age, the way you talked about it was that from a young age, you were kind of encouraged to talk to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think what a cool gift that your parents and mm-hmm. whoever else influenced mm-hmm. you framed it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it was mainly that it was easier when I was in high school and there was nothing else to do. I wasn't going to pull out my Bible in front of all my friends and start reading my Bible, but I could just talk to them. And, uh, but I just, this is so, so I have not, I have not joined a cohort 
I have not um, read even this book, which I'm now dying to read this book, but um, I, I love this. Like I am, I'm eating up everything that you're saying of just like, I want, I want my prayer life to be deeper and to be richer. And um, I love the, like approaching it as a child because my life is messy and, and I, I need Jesus and I want to, I want to talk to him in a different level or talk to him. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, this is, yeah, this is great. <laughs> well, the great thing about you, Alessi, is that like Luke was saying that you, you kind of, you already had this kind of built into your DNA growing up. Like I'm going to talk to Jesus. <laughs> and so the most basic move in prayer is obviously just talking to God Yeah, and not just talking to him, but talking to him about everything. So we kind of compartmentalize sometimes over time. It's like, oh, this is the stuff I pray for because I know I can't handle it. But mm. the stu- the, unknowingly, there's this other stuff that I just, I, I, I can manage. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, part of the reason why the book was titled A Praying Life is because mm. it's not just, hey, my my prayer life, mm. but a praying life is and an integrated thing. one. Mm. Yeah, I, I think about the difference between a, a TV dinner and a chicken pot pie. You know, we kind of want life to be a TV dinner where um, if anyone uh, still eats these, remembers these, you know, where you've got the little compartment, here's the creamed corn and here's the peas and here's the carrots and here's the meatloaf and they're all, none of them touch, but life really is a chicken pot pie. And I think about, I think you have to use a different accent when you say that life is a chicken pot pie. pie. And I think about, even as, as you're talking about that, John, I think about like the great prayer is like the the gravy in the chicken pot pie. It's mm-hmm. the thing that's touching everything. It's mm-hmm. the thing that it's yeah. all kind of soaking in. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's feels like what we would like it to be. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want prayer to just be another category of here's this thing that's segmented off from life, but we want it actually kind of flavoring everything else that we're, yeah. we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes um, we talk about, we, we pray the, the air prayers, the big things that we know, obviously. So when it comes to COVID, it's like, I'm going to pray about COVID because I know I can't do anything to stop COVID, you know, at a broad level, global level. But, um, so I'm going to pray about that. But when it comes to my fears about how COVID is affecting me right now in my particular place, my personal life, uh, I try to manage that. Uh, I can handle that or, and it's not till I come to the breaking point where I was like, I can't manage this or I can't handle this, that I begin to pray about it. Realizing that, yes, we pray the air prayers and then we got to pray what's on the ground. Mm. And so what's on the ground in my heart, what's the ground in the immediate in front of me. And so part of uh, getting back to your question, Luke, is what motive, what is the heart of motivation is, is a sense of helplessness, not just about the things that I know I can't handle, but the longer I'm a Christian, the more I realize I'm utterly helpless apart from Jesus. Mm. So I, I can't, I can't do life apart from him. And that's not something that's like a punishment. That's the way that Jesus lived. Mm. So when Jesus did life and if Jesus was and is the perfect human being living the way life was meant to be lived, Mm. you know, in John five, he said, I don't do anything apart from my father. I don't say anything. I don't, unless I see him saying it or doing it. And so there's a sense that we were meant to be doing life in utter dependence on the Father. And the way, one of the primary ways that happens is in and through prayer. Yeah. We were just talking about that in students last night. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I know for me, like the picture of it, my eight-year-old son, he's very needy. And uh, as parents, because I'm a fallen parent, uh, (laughs) I'm like, can you just figure that out yourself? Like, (laughs) you don't need to ask me if that matches. You don't need to ask me. And 
And really, the reality is I, he comes to me because he he believes I can help. He believes that I'm there for him. He believes that I care about what he's trying to tell me. Um, he may be wrong about some of it with me, but we're not wrong when we go to God with that. So when we actually treat God like that, I would act like children. Like, think of your, if any of you have children out there or had children or when they were young and they just needed you so much. Um, we often look like uh, our, our culture treats prayer or even life like the air things you're talking about where it's like, I'll go to God with the big things. Just like as I grow up, I'll go to my parents with the big things, but I don't really want to talk to them about the, the daily, what I need and, and, and how I'm feeling and all this stuff. So I think that's a, yeah, that's kind of what we've been talking about in students. And I just think um, it's been, God has painted that in my life um, through a praying life book and, and the cohorts just to say, man, that those ground prayers, those, those things that I need to just talk with God about, um, I'm foolish because I'm not listening to Jesus's words. That's why I'd say it's foolish to think that I don't need that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we think about just trying to enjoy prayer more, um, what I'm hearing you say, John is uh, remember that it's about the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Embrace your helplessness. Mm -hmm. Any other, uh, whether they're motivations or even kind of strategies or like just tips or whatever, are there other things that come to mind when you think about just what might help us, enjoy prayer more in the coming months? Yeah, I, I, I think um, people get hung up sometimes about thinking about, oh, I want to grow in my prayer life. Uh, and they start looking at their watches thinking, how much, like, how, how can I extend the time? Mm. So we focus on um, number of minutes, number of days, where people always ask me, like, how do I know if I'm growing my prayer life? How do I, and they automatically say, uh, you know, I want to increase the amount of time. And I'm usually telling them, look, try to look and see if that your prayer is a little easier in your life. It's more a little bit more reflexive, like a, a reflex that's developing in you. You're a little quicker to pray. And, I, and I'm not talking about you sit down and you have a quiet time, but you're praying throughout the day just because you feel your need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Just to kind of like Alessi, you know, just it's like Jesus is with you. And so you're talking to him throughout the day and you're like, I need him to help me find my car keys. <laughs> could you help me find my car keys, Lord? And could you now help me be patient with my son? Mm. Um, could you, you know, as I was coming out here, could you help help me in this flight? I mean, I'm putting my faith in the pilot rather more than I'm putting my faith in the Lord to bring me here on that airplane. Mm. So, you know, I I heard Paul Miller say uh, the other day, uh, the Bible never says there is a spiritual gift of prayer. Mm. Um, And uh, which is odd because obviously there are some people who are just better at it or Mm. more natural at it. And yet, why is there no spiritual gift of prayer? And huh. part of and what he said was, it's because it's like saying there's no spiritual gift of breathing. Mm. It's like, sure. it's like prayer is just, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a living dependence mm. upon the Father. So in terms of practicalities, Luke, it, it's not just coming with a, an open heart and motivation, but it's, it's like I am just more aware of my neediness, on him for everything. And the way that happens and the way you can identify that is anytime there is an energy in you that's driving you. So whether it be an anxious energy, uh, 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 an emotional angry energy, uh, uh, an excitement, 
that that is an opportunity to turn that energy immediately into a prayer. Mm. So whatever's exciting you, whatever's making you anxious, whatever's making you scared, whatever's making it's like, that's an opportunity to pray. And I'm not saying you have to have this big prayer meeting, but you're just going quick to pray. Mm. Lord, help me with this. Lord, help me with this. Lord, direct me in that. And you're moving on with life and continuing. Mm. So, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't have to be, there are tools and all these other things, but it, it, the most basic move is just keep coming to him with you and everything in your life and your heart as much as you can. What I find for me, I don't know if you guys are like this, but having some structure really helps me. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we're going through a cohort where here's this, just it's just one hour a week that we're going to be talking about this, but that routine and that discipline made it where I was more likely to pray the other times. Sure. Um you know, there, there's a thing right now that, um, and this is maybe something for folks with younger kids, but you know, my little guy, Hank is four and we started doing this thing. Uh, most mornings we'll go out in the backyard and we'll kind of look around and kind of see what do we, what do we smell and what do we see and what do we hear? And, and then we'll kind of do this just prayer routine that, um, that he's able to kind of track with me where, um, well, I'll just share, I'll just share with you what it is. So we, <laughs> we put our hands together, like they're in handcuffs. And we say, God, without you, uh, we would be prisoners to sin. And then we open our hands like we're set free. We say, but today we thank you that we're uh, set free f- mm. because of Jesus. And mm. so I say it and then he repeats. And then we ball our fists up like we're ready to fight. <laughs> and we say, God, without you, um, we would fight you and disobey. Mm. And then we put our hands up like, you know, like freeze, police, you know, like. And we say, but today we want to surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, to Jesus. And then we put our hands out in front of us kind of with our fists balled, like we're holding on to something really tight. And we say, God, without you, we are selfish and stingy. And he gets really into that one. He goes, we're selfish and stingy. Like really <laughs> said and we open our hands and we say, but today help us to be generous and kind. And then um, the last one is we put our hands in front of our face. Like we're trying to like, prote- like cover like from something we're scared of. And we say, God, without you, we're afraid of people. Mm. And then we put our hands out kind of in front, like we're about to march. And we go, you know, so today help us to go to people with the love of Jesus. Mm. And just that little routine, and especially with a little guy like him, um, when wow. when we don't do it, he goes, Daddy, we got to go out and do, we got to go do our prayer. And kids, they love the repetition and yeah. they love the thing. But even just that little thing, um, obviously that's kind of memorized and that's sort of routine, <laughs> but it also um, makes it where I'm more likely to pray prayers like that throughout the day. Yeah. And, um, and kids can be a really great reminder and discipline of, of what sure. you ought to do. So um, I guess that's another thing I would encourage folks to do is, is commit to some kind of habit that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be an hour every day, but some sort of checkpoint that just keeps, keeps prayer on your mind um, at some point during a week. And even that will help just bring the Lord to mind throughout the week. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I know I, for me, I had to, um, I had to read that book, uh, praying life to really kind of push me over the edge. Um, when I, which that's funny too, cause don't you kind of think like, I should, I, sh- I should just pray. Why? Should, yeah. Did you, you wrestle I with did that? think that I was like, why would I, like my dad once gave me a, a book about time, how to manage your time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, I'll manage it right now by not reading this book. <laughs> now I have more time. Um, <laughs> same thing with prayer. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'll just read the first chapter and then I'll go on from there. But one of the things in it that, that hit me was like, Paul talks about this 
time that he had to do a science project with one of his daughters and he had had messed it up in the past and so um he said this time let's pray first so they prayed and then they did their science project well when they went to write down their steps um he said well write down praying and and mm-hmm. she's like why no that's not what the teacher that's not <laughs> what the teacher wants and he's like well actually that is part of it and it and and it just emphasized how much we don't believe that that prayer is actually doing anything mm-hmm. it's kind of like just a magic yeah, we're supposed to do this. Check you know, it like off a, the list. Yeah, mm-hmm. and going through the motions. And that hit me so much that I kept reading the book, and I was like, okay, I'm in. That mixed with the cohort and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was just really great for me to um, get that push and and then that kind of sharpening of my axe yeah. so that I could better chop down trees, and not just for the sake of chopping down trees, but I wanted a more vibrant relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and a dependency on the father and that comes through prayer. And I just that I was, I was embarrassed as a Christian, to be honest, that like I wouldn't have wrote down prayed first, you know, sure. mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, it, mm-hmm. even some of you might listening be like, I wouldn't now, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, so that embarrassment, um, not that I wanted people to think I was better, but my own heart was like, Lord, I'm before you, I'm embarrassed. As mm-hmm. I, I just, I rely not on you a lot. So yeah, that was my thing. Journaling is another thing mm-hmm. that um, they have prayer cards that we kind of talked a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, but I like that. That's journaling, cool. like you said, Alessi, is so great to be able to see what God has worked. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where um, as you start doing that, you kind of want more and more yeah. and more. And you're like, that prayer time that you talked to John about, the time mm-hmm. is not, it doesn't matter. It's not like I'm like, well, I hit my 30 minutes. You, most of the time, it's gotten to where I'm like, I wish I had more time to yeah. like mm-hmm. sit and pray because yeah. I'm out of time, you know? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, like, like I think, I mean, you, you, I think we both mentioned the idea of a marriage, you know, what I, what I really want is to feel connected to Molly all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if we just sort of sat together for 30 minutes and then didn't communicate and sure. didn't think about each other and <laughs> we're kind of living these parallel lives, that would be terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's great when we can go on a date, but it's great when we can go on a date night to the degree that it helps us have a good relationship all the time. Mm. And I think that's really what, that's what we want for each other. That's what we want for, for you listening is just for, for prayer to become John used the word earlier, easier, mm-hmm. more natural, more, res- more just kind of a flinch that we have rather than a, Oh yeah, I guess I better. Um, and so, uh, yeah, one thing I want to just offer too, um, this is spur of the moment, but I know we have some extra copies of A Praying Life laying around the office. And so any of you who are listening, if you um, if you will identify yourself to me or to Reese or to Alessi, and if you'll um, say, hey, I'll read the book. If you'll yeah. do that, we'll, we'll find you a copy. We'll give you a copy. And um, if you've made it this far into the episode, <laughs> then we'll know that this actually really matters yeah. to you. So Wow, it wasn't even five... John, can you give us the five five for twenty five? Yeah. Well, it sounds like Luke is just putting it out there. It's I'm not putting even it out five, there. I'm one for free. Wow. Ooh. Well, wow. you got to come talk to us, and you got to tell us that you'll actually read it. I don't well, want to just read it. collect the so book. You can on drain me in reading it. So, <laughs> great. Well, I think we're about out of time, but I just wanted to thank you for coming, John. And then yeah. I wanted to have you end by praying for us, if you could. Sure. Um, sure. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, John, um, before you pray, I'll just say this. Um, in a way that I don't think most of the listeners to this would know, our church is healthier and stronger because of your investment. Amen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, I know Craig Groeschel will say, you know, when the leaders get better, everyone gets better. Mm. Mm. And um, your investment in our relationship with God is bearing fruit that you don't get to see or taste mm. or, or experience as much. But um, I'm really thankful for you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I get to taste and see the fruit in, in you guys because um, it's been a pleasure to get to know quite a few of your pastors on the staff through cohorts and various training sessions and things. And so uh, they always say uh, sheep like shepherds. And so I'm assuming that the very things that I'm actually witnessing uh, God do in each of your hearts is naturally going to affect, and I'm assuming affecting, um, the people here at Gateway. So um, it's been a pleasure to be able to watch God's work in each of you. So thanks. Lord, I pray uh, for um, uh, Gateway Church. Lord, it's been a pleasure to get to know the church in and through some of the shepherds and um, to be able to see an openness of heart and honesty, uh, to be able to see your move of grace come in and through um, various times spent together and an earnest desire to know you. Um, and so, Lord, I, I, I just thank you for that. I thank you for that, uh, seeing that in, in Luke and, and Reese and many of the other pastors. And I pray that that would not only continue at a personal level for the leaders and the shepherds of this church, but Lord, that it would continue to grow and flourish and overflow uh, into the life of the entire congregation. Lord, that the church would not only be known as one of the word centered on Jesus, but one who, who prays, one uh, who naturally, uh, as the Old Testament says, calls upon the name of the Lord. There's a beautiful uh, garden, uh, prayer garden that you've blessed the church with on the property here. And I thank you for that. And I pray that that would become in, in, in a practical and a representative way, one of the most popular places on the entire campus. Um, and so Lord, may it not be an obligatory thing. May it not be something that would really be uh, guilted into, but something that would grow in the hearts in a greater way of your people here. And so, Lord, we pray for that. We ask for that. Um, and we are confident that you love to answer prayers like this. And so um, we just pray that it would be a delight, especially heading into uh, 2021, that as Gateway grows in a variety of ways, that it would grow not, uh, as a church who calls on the name of the Lord and in doing so would be delighted, surprised, um, uh, excited, by the ways that you show up, both big and small. So I ask for that, I trust you for that, and I look forward to hearing how that happens. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll catch you next time on our next All of Life podcast. Amen.